Dating apps have taken the world by storm over the past decade, making it easier to find connections in a world that has turned so digital. But it has also opened the door for predators and criminals alike to lure their victims in behind the screen. Today, we dive into the darker side of dating apps as we discuss a case of a date turned horribly wrong, leaving an entire nation mourning the loss of a young girl. We also discuss important red flags and precautions to take as you swipe. This episode contains discussion of murder and sexual assault. Welcome to An Easy, a podcast hosted by Lexi and Cecilia. This podcast is a collection of research based on haunting and mysterious events that will leave you feeling genuinely uneasy. Discretion is advised. Online dating became extremely popular when apps such as Tinder became more accessible to everyone. In 2015, Tinder was the fifth highest grossing mobile app, and by 2019, it was the highest grossing app in general. In 2020, Tinder had 6.2 million subscribers and 75 million monthly active users. And as of 2021, Tinder has recorded more than 65 billion matches worldwide. And Tinder is not the only dating platform with success. Popular apps include Bumble, Hinge, OkCupid, Match, Grindr, Her, and even Facebook Dating. All of these offer different things and quirks that make them different, and most of them have developed a sort of reputation of their own. For example, some apps may be known for something more casual, where others are known to target and foster more long-standing relationships. But one thing they all share is the ability for crime and unsafety to lurk in the shadows. Social media in general can be tricky. We've all heard of catfishing, which is someone who pretends to be someone else online, which oftentimes doesn't get dangerous, but rather just disappointing. But there is the possibility for it to get dangerous. Social media and dating apps in general allow for people to become anyone they want, and they can hide behind the screen and lure you in. But the worst part of that is, even people who show their true identities can be planning something bad, meaning it's so important to practice safe habits. I do want to make it clear that I'm actually a huge fan of dating apps. I know older generations tend to only see the bad, and trust me, it's there or else I wouldn't be able to research and make this episode. But I think it's played a huge role in connecting a lot of people in a world that's turned so digital. And I myself know several friends in long-term relationships that met online and recently attended a wedding that was the result of meeting online. That doesn't mean that bad, terrible things do not happen, though. And it's always important to take precautions when meeting a stranger online. With all that being said, there are a lot of red flags to look out for, and there are major patterns in a lot of the cases that I've seen that resulted in a serious crime after matching and meeting with their date online. Serious crimes in the terms of mainly sexual assault and murder. Today, we will be looking at the case of Grace Mullane and Jesse Kempson. Grace was born in Essex, England in 1996. She was the youngest of three siblings with two older brothers and was known to love her family and was very creative and described as compassionate and caring. She graduated with a degree in advertising and marketing from the University of Lincoln, and she has been saving up to backpack around the world, and she set out in October excited for a new adventure. She visited Peru and spent six weeks in South Africa with other travelers and kept up with her friends and family online. And by that, I mean she was sending them pictures every day, posting on her story. She was really making sure to document her adventures. 
On November 19th, she later arrived in New Zealand alone and checked into a hostel in Auckland 11 days after arriving to the country. While she was there, she used Tinder and connected with a man named Jesse Kempson. She agreed to go get drinks with him, and he was very, very persistent with her. She was not too sure at first and made it very clear in her messages that she wasn't sure about going to meet a new person in a new country, which rightfully so. Um, But it was actually her birthday the next day, and Jesse suggested getting drinks. Um, And he said things such as, what's it going to take for me to get this to happen? What's it going to take for me to get you to come get drinks? So he was very, very persistent. That sounds so dirty. Like, and a lot of people that I know also use Tinder um, to like explore the new city because it uses your location. So like you will see what the locals like, like and dislike about that city. And it's a great way to connect with other people. So I'm sure also traveling like the world at that time is so lonely and you want to be with people, especially in your birthday and like seeing the city from a local point of view, but asking what it has to take. That sounds so dirty. Right. And I mean, Tinder and a lot of other dating apps track your location. So going in a new area where you haven't been before, um, you're exposed to an entire new pool of people. Um, so it's not uncommon that she would be using a dating app like that um, while she's traveling because she, quite frankly, has different options than she normally would. She eventually gives in on December 1st, 2018, and she left her hostel to meet him at a very popular area called Sky City, which is a well-known attraction with bars, restaurants, and a casino, and they're seen on security tapes outside of Sky City, hugging as soon as they meet and go inside for some drinks. Keep in mind that they were seen on security tapes. I feel like it's so smart of her to be going to such a well-populated area that has all these attractions because there are the security tapes instead of going somewhere that's more hole in the wall, especially like hanging out with this person for the first time. Like I feel like Grace is very intelligent. Right. I mean, anybody who's going to meet somebody for the first time that they've been online, you have absolutely no idea what their background is. That's a 100% good rule of thumb to always go somewhere that's public where there's other people around um, where you feel like you would be able if you needed to god forbid get away that you could easily um, and that you're just in like a well-lit well-known area meanwhile grace has been sending messages to her friend back home while on the date saying quote i click with him so well he's an oil manager and lives in a hotel So everything seems to be going really well with this date at that point. They eventually bar hop, essentially, they eventually bar hop to Bluestone Room, um, which is just another kind of more hole-in-the-wall bar separate from Sky City. Um, And she got up to go to the bathroom or leave the table, and video footage would later reveal that Jesse searched through her bag when she got up, which I found very strange. Of course, Grace probably never knew that. They left the bar around 9.30 and are seen again on camera walking down the street together. The next day, Grace was turning 22 on December 2nd, and this was 
you know, something that her family was naturally going to reach out to her about, telling her happy birthday. She has a very strong bond with both of her brothers and her family, and they were very alarmed when she did not answer any of their birthday messages. Rightfully so. Right. So her parents immediately reached out to the Auckland police, and they were able to confirm with the hostel that she did not return to her room the night of the date on December 1st. She was declared a missing person on December 5th, and at first the police did not expect any foul play. They, you know, see her as this backpacker who's there in New Zealand. She was staying at a hostel, and she could have just found some new friends at a bar and decided to hang out with them or hop to another city and forgot to let her parents know, but her parents knew better. She was, like I said, updating them essentially on her every move and constantly updating her story. So this was really out of character for her. It's so sad when like police like don't truly follow like the parents' intuition or the family's intuition because like the first 48 really are so crucial, especially if she was missing. And just because she's a backpacker staying in a hostel, I feel like hostels usually get like a really bad rep for being dirty or like wild kids are going through them. But I mean, like a family knows at the end of the day. Right. Um, And camera footage that I discussed earlier revealed just that. Um, It allowed for the police to see her whereabouts the night of her date. And Jesse was quickly identified um, and seen as a person of interest. She had actually changed her profile picture the night of the date, and Jesse commented on it how beautiful she was. Um, so it was pretty easy for the police to piece the two together that they had been on a date. In addition, Jesse himself made a post on Facebook that was a bit weird given what we know now. Um, And it read, hey, everyone, I just wanted to touch base with you all. I've made a lot of bad decisions in my life so far that I'm not proud of, which have greatly affected others. I firstly want to extend the most sincere apologies for this. I've done a lot of reflection over time and have narrowed down the cause of it all. With that being said, I believe you all deserve to know. My clear arrogance and selfishness has truly affected the relationship I have with people in my personal life. He goes on to mention that when he was growing up, um, emotionally and mentally, he just needed to grow up more. And um, it was just a very strange post. It goes on to say some other things, but to kind of just blatantly put that out to the world of like all of your your, um, Facebook friends of, hey, like I'm a shitty person. It's so weird. it's like a bully in high school, like a doing like a mass text or something to everyone that they bullied. Like, sorry, I've matured. I'm no longer the person I was. Like, sorry for bullying you. Like, that's the vibe that it's giving. So it's so strange. Jesse was born in Wellington and had moved a lot after his parents' divorce and was kind of raised by his grandfather and was pretty much a lone wolf. Um, he didn't have a lot of good connections with any of his family members anymore and he was described as a pathological liar even telling people sometimes that he was dying of cancer he often lost jobs and housing due to his lying and he had even lost his most recent job the day that he met grace i just don't trust anybody who lies about dying of cancer that's so bad that's such like a like there has to be an end point to that lie like 
okay why aren't you losing your hair why aren't you dying or dead like right and you can't keep up that facade for so long that's so like crazy yeah and i think he was also like telling lies about like um being related to super wealthy people or playing on like very prestigious sports teams for new zealand um to like landlords and things and then when like rent was due he would kind of like skip out because he didn't have the money um oh my goodness so was he ever an oil manager or i'm he lied about that to grace as well i'm sure that he was lying during his date with grace as well jesse was asked to come into the station the day that grace was reported missing on december 5th he admitted to talking to her on tinder and meeting her at sky city and he claimed that he thinks he was being catfished by her so that's why he (laughs) wanted to meet at sky city because he would feel safe because he was convinced like in this interview he is telling the investigator like do you know what catfishing is i thought i was being catfished so i'm meeting at this um super public space so i feel and that's why he's described as a pathological liar right he claims that they parted ways and says he was doing nothing wrong and even agrees to giving a DNA sample during this first um, visit to the police station. Um, and when asked why they just stopped talking so suddenly and if the date went so well, why did they not hang out the next day or the following day after that, he says that he tried to message her on the next day, but she unmatched with him. And so he couldn't message her anymore. She must not have liked the date as much as he did. Very interesting. Yeah. So after this, the police are able to uncover even more security footage. And they're combing through literally hours and hours on different tapes from different locations of this security footage. Um, And they're actually seeing um, Jesse and Grace getting into the elevator at his flat the same night of the date. So they, in fact, did not part ways. Grace was never seen leaving the hotel again, so she was only seen entering. Jesse left the hotel the next morning to shop for a suitcase and cleaning supplies and rented a red Toyota Corolla. He then went on another Tinder date. So Grace has now come to his house, never left his house, Go shopping for a suitcase, cleaning supplies. Did he buy two suitcases? Like, what is what is his plan with this next Tinder date? Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Cleaning supplies and rented the red Toyota Corolla because he didn't have a car. Goes on another date where his date reported he had some very disturbing conversations over lunch with her. Um, conversations such as talking about burying bodies and having friends that are policemen and this set off the alarms in her head and she refused to go anywhere else with him or get in the the car with him so props to her yes as she should be very concerned about that and also just like why would you talk about that like you haven't gotten away with murder it is day one of you being a murderer not even 24 and hours. you're going to just openly talk about the fact that you're burying bodies? Like, come on, man. Have you watched one crime show? One. Do you think that we're not in an age where there's not security footage everywhere? Also, like, you're going to immediately leave and go buy cleaning supplies and rent a car? 
This is 2018. Like, you can, please can get an itemized list of exactly everything you bought. Oh, yeah. Well, it gets better. He left the date and rented a carpet cleaning machine, explaining to the carpet cleaning staff that um, there were wine stains on his carpet that needed to be cleaned. So he... Ah, uh, wine yeah, stains. He, he lugged all of that upstairs. Um, and he is seen again later that night, leaving the hotel with two suitcases and putting them in the rented Toyota Corolla. At 7 a.m. the next day, he was picked up on camera again buying a shovel. Bro. <laughs> At least order from Amazon. Like It's... <laughs> like, Come on this, now. And this is 2018. Like, it's not like the security thing is a new thing. Wear a hat. Change outfits. There are cameras everywhere, people. You have literally... If everywhere. there is a checklist of what is suspicious... To killing someone and burying their body, you have checked off every item on that checklist. I think every he's just missing item. the duct tape, honestly. Honestly. He then went and power washed the car and returned it to the rental company. The day Grace was reported missing, he is seen on camera going to a bunch of different locations and just throwing stuff in random trash cans. Not really sure if you had like extra stuff he was trying to throw away and trying to scatter it across yeah trying to hide the evidence it sounds like yeah um the police then searched his hotel room after finding him at the hotel and now in the timeline we're back to december 5th when he um goes in to talk to the police for the first time um jesse was taken into custody um on december 8th and the police were just as scared as the public were. This was a very high profile case in the media and a lot of people were really scared um, and they felt really terrible for Grace and her family. When he's taken into custody on December 8th, his story completely changes. He says that Grace started talking about 50 shades of gray when they got to the room and that when they were intimate, she wanted him to choke her. He then states that he fell asleep in the shower after, um, but never states that he killed her. He says the next morning he realized that she was dead and he was in a state of shock, putting her body in a suitcase and getting rid of the body. And he denied any guilt, saying that he didn't know what to do and that it was an accident and that he literally had no idea that she had died. So he... Fell asleep in the shower. Right. They, they're they intimate. He's saying they're intimate. She's He choked her while they were being intimate. And then he went to the shower, fell asleep in the shower. And then when he woke up, she was dead on the floor. Like, yes, they did go out to a bar. But, like, can you think of something, like, a better excuse? Like, no one in Fifty Shades of Grey dies from being intimate no 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 that like to strangle someone to death takes so much force and it takes way longer than you think like it's not a 30 second thing that's like five to ten minutes yeah maybe like passing out like could happen from being intimate right but your face is going to turn blue he didn't notice that Right. 
Um, The police asked that he take them where he had buried the body, telling him that the examiner is going to know the cause of death. They're like, look, we they basically are telling him we think you're lying and that the autopsy report is going to tell the as they should. Um, Right. The forensic search in the room revealed that he did a pretty shitty job of cleaning up the room with the carpet cleaner because there was blood. Do you mean the wine stains? (laughs) Right. The the wine stains. But there we all knew what was really happening when he (laughs) purchased. I think the carpet carpet cleaner cleaner. renter also knew. Probably. I would be so sketched out. Um, Her body was found, unfortunately, 10 yards from the road, um, still with the suitcase. Um, And literally everyone shared in the family's grief and the prime minister of new zealand apologized to the family um on national television um saying your daughter should have been safe here and she wasn't and i'm so sorry for that that's so, so this sad had a massive right this had a massive massive role um so her body was just dumped in a suitcase on the side of the road it was buried with the sh- okay with the shovel oh yes yes the shovel right. So Jesse was formally charged, and on December 10th, he appeared in court. So that's just five days after she was reported missing. That is a very quick turnaround. Uh, That is not how it is in the United States. They were on top of this. (laughs) No, they were on top of this. He was granted a temporary name suppression in the media to ensure a fair trial, and the autopsy revealed that she was strangled but with considerable force, with bruises on her arms and body, and they said that she would have been strangled for at least four to five minutes. Very different. Jesse used his phone. I would say very. Right, very yeah. different than just like, very, very different from just like. Fifty Shades of Grey. Normal Fifty Shades of Grey stuff. Um, they also found that Jesse used his phone the night of um, the murder to look up some interesting things, such as hottest fire. <laughs> flesh-eating birds, and the location where he dumped the body. He, like, looked that up on Google. He then took photos of Grace's dead body as well on his phone. Um, And six days after Grace's funeral, he pled not guilty. Come on, man. And the trial began. Yeah. So it's like, literally, you're caught on video camera doing everything. You have it on your personal phone. Like, no one airdropped you those pictures. Right. And during the trial, he became very, very non-emotional, was just stone-faced the entire time. And the lawyers just kept claiming that it was an accident and that Jesse just panicked and that Grace was asking for it, which became a huge, huge issue with a lot of people saying that Grace was basically being victim-blamed even though she was the victim of a murder. That's so, so disgusting. Yeah. Like, no one asked yeah, to be it murdered. Was very, right. It was very disgusting on the defense's side. Um, however, it was laid out by the prosecution how calmly he was after the fact and that he kept going even after she would have passed out, like you pointed out. Um, you don't just die from 30 seconds of being choked. The for- the court found him guilty, and he was sentenced to life in prison. And after that, there were two more women who came forward about Jesse assaulting them after seeing him 
in the news and on the trial. One of them had a relationship with him, and she said that he would force her into things that she didn't want to do very violently. I'm not going to go into details with that. Um, And that he would drain her of thousands of dollars, like tens of thousands of dollars. Right. And um, there was another woman that he also met on Tinder that he raped just eight months before Grace. And the woman said that he told her, if you don't do this, I will kill your family. You have to do this. And um, she was unfortunately a victim of sexual assault by him. He was found guilty um, on both of these instances. And he's currently apparently working on appeals um, for all three of his cases. Of course he is. Grace's family has raised over 11,000 pounds for the White Ribbon Campaign a charity looking to end male violence against women by challenging and changing the way that men and young boys interact with women. Um, And I think that's just a great way to give back and kind of honor what she went through. So with all that being said, Grace's story is just one of many of both women and men who are victims of online dating which turn terribly wrong this doesn't always mean murder though recently brigham young university conducted a study in november that found that of nearly 2,000 rape cases reviewed where the perpetrator was an acquaintance 14 percent of those occurred during an initial meetup after matching on a dating app we want to cover some big red flags to look out for um and some you know, tips of the trade if you're going on a date and um, how to best stay safe for yourself so that if you are partaking in a dating app, which like I said, I'm a fan of, I think that they um, serve their purpose, but it is extremely important to be safe. And I think this could also go to not just a dating app, but just meeting anyone for the first time. Right. Even if you like have seen them at school or um, you know them from work, you don't know them outside of that situation. So make sure you just are always taking precautions. Um, But if you are meeting someone for the first time um, beforehand, there's some things to look out for. If it seems extremely forced um, in their forms of communication as they're being upset if you don't answer quickly or they're really pushing you to meet them in person even if you're showing them that you're unsure um, or they're using something called force teaming such as when are we going out how are we getting home that's a massive red flag Um, somebody of value that you want to be meeting will be respectful of your boundaries and want to get to know you beforehand um, before kind of forcing you too early to meet up with them in person Another red flag is being overly charming. It's one thing to have a guy compliment you, but you know when somebody's doing too much and if every single message from them is them kind of blowing up your ego, that can be a huge red flag as well. Another red flag is giving way too much information. This is a telltale sign that someone is trying to deceive you and lie to you, especially if you're just getting to know them and they're like telling you extremely personal information it's kind of a way of them trying to gain your trust and it's completely false most of the time you might also see some cases of typecasting which will be like 
them saying, you don't seem like the type of woman who is scared to try new things if you say no to going on a date with them. Or you say, oh, I haven't really met up with anyone from online yet and they are still trying to coerce you. The last major thing to look out for is loan sharking, which is making you feel obligated to hang out with them even if you've already said no. And they just seem, again, super, super desperate and they're trying to isolate you and make them feel bad for you. RAIN, which stands for Rape, Abuse, Incest National Network, is the nation's largest anti-sexual violence organization. RAIN created and operated the National Sexual Assault Hotline and is in partnership with more than a thousand local sexual assault service providers across the country and operates the DOD safe helpline for the Department of Defense. They recommend that before going on a date, use your instincts and avoid connecting with suspicious profiles. Do some research, and if you think you're going on a date with someone um, that you've matched with online, don't be afraid to Google them first. We love Googling people, guys. It's not weird. Right. It's not weird. I Google people that I know in real life sometimes. Like, I promise you it's not weird. Block and report suspicious accounts that you encounter, and always try to video chat before meeting. This is, like, very crucial, and I think it's weird that people don't do this. And it prevents you from getting catfished. Right. Ask them to FaceTime. You'll get to know them a lot better. And like your first date can be a FaceTime date. There's nothing wrong with that. Their camera is not broken. This is 2023. They have an iPhone. And if not, they have a phone with a camera. A laptop at least. Come on. Right. If you do decide to go on the date, tell a friend where you're going or give them a full itinerary, even share your location with them. Um, That's super important and kind of provides a safe net where you have somebody that you trust watching out for you. Always meet in a public space and do not rely on your date for transportation. Drive yourself to the first date or take an Uber um, or public transportation. Stick to what you're comfortable with and if you know that you don't want to drink a lot, then don't. If you think that you know, drinking is going to make you feel impaired or uncomfortable, then don't feel the peer pressure to do it just because they are. Enlist the help of a waiter or bartender if you feel unsafe. A lot of bars have something called an angel shot or something similar where you can discreetly tell a bartender if you are feeling unsafe or that you need help. And trust your instincts. If you get uncomfortable, leave before you are no longer in a public space and unmatch or block to eliminate the option for the date to reach out afterwards. Sexual assault and harassment are never acceptable and are never the victim's fault, no matter what you are wearing, drinking, or whom you're with. The National Sexual Assault Hotline, 800-656-HOPE, is here to listen and provide resources and is anonymous, free, and available 24-7. Next time on Uneasy, join us as we discuss Edmund Kemper III, murder of his grandparents at just 15. Ed, a certified genius, went on to kill eight more people, giving him the nickname the Coa Killer. His intelligence and manipulation allowed him to con the courts into releasing him at 21. Then, when arrested again, he uses intelligence to partner with the FBI, changing their behavioral science unit forever.